What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles is in the house, aka the Kimura King, aka the Ayatollah of Ankle Locks. Many of you may know me by Mike Rakshan, the owner of Immortals Jiu Jitsu, the fastest growing Jiu Jitsu school in the universe. If you want to sign up, make sure to go to immortalsjujitsu.com and sign up for your free trial class. Guys, in this episode, I talk to my instructor, one of my mentors, and my best friend, Gary the Lion Killer Tonin. Um, if you're, you know, a little politically correct type of person, I highly suggest you don't play this episode. We get things get really wild. You know, if you have any children around while you're listening to this, probably skip to the halfway mark. Things get real vulgar, but that's just the way we are. I ain't going to sugarcoat anything for anyone. That's the way I've always been. Um, also, before you listen to the episode, make sure to follow me on Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K. Go to Gary Tonin's Instagram, G-A-R-R-Y-T-O-N-O-N. Last but not least, Please give the podcast five stars on whatever platform you are listening to it on. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello? Hello. <laughs> your, I noticed your, <laughs> your tag is literally Girthy Garrett. Yes. You like that? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? It's my porn name. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's, either that or, it's either that or zebra cock one or the other explain to everyone what, why the zebra cock because i already know i I mean, <laughs> I mean i don't know i don't i think that it i feel as though it's very self-explanatory let's put it that way no it's not it's honestly not I feel like it's. I feel it's very self-explanatory. No, it really isn't. When I hear the word zebra cock, I think it's going to be a zebra, like white, bra- white, black, white, black. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I'll explain, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to explain to the listeners. So the I love how time- this is how. By the way, before this, before you do this ex- explanation, I love how this is how the podcast got started. We are literally a minute and five seconds into the podcast, <laughs> and we're already somehow talking about my penis. No intro, no zero no. intro. Hey guys, it's Gary. Turn nothing. You could find them at this. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Um. Yeah. So. I, I got to give some people some preface. Um, <laughs> you will. The only time you will ever see a, a fully late, naked man is at a gym if they're 75 years old. But for some <laughs> reason at Henzo Gracie Academy, it's normal for young men to walk around naked. <laughs> and one day I was looking at the floor and I'm slowly looking up and I thought there was a, you know, it was a black guy. And I, and I noticed it was you. <laughs> What? So you don't have a zebra cock. Your dick is just black. <laughs> Can you explain that to the it listeners? Changes, it changes colors, man. You know, it's got it's I don't listen. I don't. First off, let's start with a story about circumcision, because circumcision is the reason for this. I think ultimately. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So. So I didn't fi- I didn't 
understand the concept of circumcision until I was like 10 years old, maybe like, and I was, so I was young enough that I didn't really understand what circumcision was, but, but old enough to know that it was desirable to have a big penis. Right. Uh-huh. So, so like, it's a touchy subject essentially. Like basically somehow it came up probably because of a South Park episode. And my mom goes, says to me, she goes, you're circumcised. And I go, what? And she goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, they cut a little bit off the end of your dick. And I just look at my mom and I'm 10 again. Remember I'm 10. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I was enraged and I was so upset and sad at the same time. Like, like the way she put it, the way she described it, oh, they cut a little bit off the end of your dick. It made me feel like it used to be bigger. And they fucking like, you know what I mean? Like, oh I, I thought she short, the way she explained it, she, she made it sound like she shortchanged me, you know? And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, man, like I could have, <laughs> I could have had some extra inches. <laughs> and my fucking mom is like, yeah, we cut, you know, I told the doctor to cut your dick. I'm like, why would you do that? You animal, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's fucking funny to think about like the way that I put it, but ultimately it is pretty fucking crazy. The entire practice of circumcision is kind of the thing, you know, when you think uh, what happened like, after you said, Hey mom, there's one way we can make this right. <laughs> oh, how is that Gary? <laughs> No, so so I'm I'm fucking screaming at her and she's just laughing hysterically because obviously she knows, you know, what circumcision really is. And yeah, that was pretty much the story. She just fucking laughed at me while I cried. Um, but uh but anyway, yeah, I mean I guess like some people when they're circumcised, like the bottom part is one color and the top part is another color, and that's what I've got. I got like a half black cock. <laughs> yeah, I don't I understand that studies have said you're less likely to get like 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 cheese in your dick or like stds but cutting a baby's dick off with no anesthetic right when they're born is psychotic it's it's pretty fucking insane man i I don't understand how it's like a normal thing we just do in society and it's accepted and also like and also like i feel like nowadays with the modern technology we have the ability to just fucking clean ourselves I you know, know what I mean? like it's not it doesn't seem like it would be that difficult of a fucking thing to do like oh yeah well it reduces it's like yeah use some fucking soap what are you talking about like <laughs> like i get it all right like like maybe maybe when that shit was scarce and like you didn't take a shower for a fucking month okay i could totally see it it maybe makes some more sense but like nowadays it just doesn't really make sense it seems like a pretty extreme measure oh yeah it'll be cleaner we're just gonna cut some skin off your cock like yeah. what that seems pretty fucking extreme. You and know? it's like, oh, it's a baby. I'm like, doesn't it feel pain? Yeah, but they can't say anything. They're a baby. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, even worse. Even worse. <laughs> oh, you're not going to remember it. <laughs> yeah, and? <laughs> Did I ever tell you my circumcision story? Uh, no, you didn't. Well, you, I, I think I've heard like bits and pieces. Like I know that you didn't get it when you were a baby. That's all I know. Yeah, I'll give the Cliff Notes version. I fucking got circumcised when I was nine years old because when I was born, I didn't do it. So I went to Iran. My dad's like, oh, shit, you're not circumcised. Tells me we're going to go to the doctor to get a checkup. Then I'm in like some operating room. I don't know what's going on. I just start smelling like a gasoline smell. Okay. Next thing I know, I'm knocked out. 
and I wake up with my dick cut off. And oh I just fucking, oh, it was, it was terrible. I had to wear a skirt for a month and they had a circumcision graduation party for me. Jesus Parsi, it's called Khat Nasrun. And um, the great thing about being uncircumcised, you know, when you're like watering your plants and you put your finger on the tip of the hose uh-huh. with your uncircumcised dick, if you pull the skin back, it has the same effect as, as that. So I was able to like power wash with my piss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that's I just amazing. lost that ability after I wow. circumcised. It was really that's, sad. That's so sad, dude. Yeah, it's a, it's it's like almost worse in a way that it happened when you were nine. But yeah, I definitely think that that's something that you know. Hey, listen, if you want to do it, do it. But like, I definitely think that that's one of those things where you should probably just give your kid the option to do it. You know, like if, 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 if by like fucking, you know, 16 or something, he decides that that's what he would rather have then okay, go fucking get, get your fucking dick surgery. But like, and okay, yeah, it's going to be painful, but like, it was painful when you were a baby too. It's not like. (laughs) You know what I mean? like, oh yeah so you aren't gonna remember it like so what like <laughs> you know like it's not it's no more or less humane you know what i mean like it's just i mean i don't know man i just it seems it seems kind of crazy it seems like one of those things that stuck around for a really long time that like that like kind of needs to change at some point and just nobody has really ever made any effort to change it <laughs> yeah we we need to stop doing it and um in in um i don't think modern day Orthodox Jews do it, but there are um, Hasidic or Orthodox yeah. communities. I know what you're about to tell me, but I, I definitely got you should say it for the podcast because people should know this. Yeah. So back in the day, I understand because saliva is like a disinfectant, but you're actually supposed to like, I don't know, after you give a breast, you snip, snip the little baby's dick. You're supposed to use your mouth to disinfect it. Yes, so there were babies getting they hepatitis B. Would, they would suck the blood out afterwards. And listen, anybody listening to this right now, if you think this is bullshit, fucking look, look it, up. it up. Google it right now. Before you fucking go, oh, yeah, these guys are crazy. People would never do that. Look it up. Not only did it used to happen, there are places where this still happens to this day that mm-hmm. people cut a fucking child's cock <laughs> and then suck the blood off of it. It's it's and you're it's so outrageous. It's so hard to believe. You're saying you're you're listening to us right now, and you're you're thinking like, oh, Mike and Gary are crazy. They're just you know they're making jokes. You know these are funny guys. No, no, no. this is dead fucking. I mean, it's hilarious. It is hilarious. It's also sick. But but I promise you, it's real. It's fucking psychotic, bro. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild thing. I I didn't learn that until I was like fucking in my twenties. When I really? first heard that, I couldn't believe it. When I first heard that, I was like, this is total bullshit. Like whoever whoever it is is messing with me. And then I fucking looked it up. I'm like, this is a real fucking thing. And the yeah. funny thing is, is some some Jews don't even know that there are certain sects of, of Judaism that do that. Yeah. It's that some of them, they're like, no, 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 that's not a thing. I'm like, bro, it's, it is a thing. Look it up right now. It's a real thing. I think we had this argument with Frank once. And he's like, hey, guys, I have a video of my brisk. Nobody sucked my dick. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not, we're not saying all Jews do it. We're just yeah, saying exactly. it is. It certainly with 100 percent certainty was a thing that was done. And I'm like 90 percent certain that that there is a small percentage of people that still do it that In way. In modern day. Yeah, I believe there are. Yes. Kids are getting all types of hepatitis and shit from it. Fucking weird, dude. Fucking weird. What a strange fucking world we live in, man.
it it's like we so there's a lot of things that you know we consider weird but then there's some things that we consider normal and when i when i speak to my family overseas they just don't grasp what's going on like i had to explain to my dad who lives in iran still that uh a man just won the women's ncaa (laughs) championship yes and i'm like uh yeah yeah it's because he identifies as a woman he's like what the fuck does that mean yeah that's got to be difficult a difficult pill to swallow especially for like less progressive cultures is like is that that concept you know what i mean like i mean it's a difficult pill for fucking me to swallow too i'm not pretending like it's but even even more so to a to somebody who's like who who has very firm differences uh embedded not just in in culture but possibly even in law between men and women yeah uh it's got to be a fucking insane idea like kind of what's going on and and, you know like ultimately like you know whatever people choose to do with their body and and this that and the other thing so long in my opinion so long as they're like 18 and over or at least 16 and over or something like that you know a reasonable age whatever that's their decision right but there has to be a there has to be a certain standard for things like athletics that just that it's, it's listen, like that's the decision that you made. But ultimately, like if I took a, if I took a fucking slide of your, of one of your cells, each one of your cells has a, has DNA and has a chromosomes, which, which no matter what you do to your body, no matter how many hormones you take, no matter what, no matter what, it doesn't matter when you started your fucking hormone therapy, dude, you, you are different genetically than a woman or than a man. Right. And when it comes to athletics, like the, to me, to me, you don't even need, you don't even need a study personally. Like I think it's very obvious Right. Like it should be it shouldn't even be something we need scientific data for. Like there's some things in this world that you can just look at and you go, okay, this is this and this is this. And it's very obvious. And for me, that's the case. I think anybody that's ever been in especially a contact sport, uh, but even a non-contact sport where force is involved, where a high degree of force is involved, they know that there's there's major differences between men and women across age and weight categories. Right. And, uh, it's just such a, it's such a crazy thing that people are trying to introduce this idea that that's not, that that's not a problem, you know? And like, and he, and here's, here would be my, my, uh, little tidbit here. It's like, okay, if it's not a problem and if everything's the same, then how come there aren't tons of females that are becoming males suddenly rising to the top? of all these athletic categories. Why is it only males that are becoming females that suddenly rise to the top of these uh, athletic events, right? Like, isn't that just the proof just by itself? Like there would have to be females that are becoming males that would in, in equal numbers, right? If we're talking statistics here in, in roughly equal numbers that were rising to the top of athletic athleticism categories. And there's just not, and we know why there's not, because ultimately, physically, men and women aren't equal, and that's just that just is what it is. We all have we have different strengths and weaknesses, and when it comes to physic, the physical nature of sports, we're just not equal. And it's just so, man. We're it's almost like as a society, we're going backwards. 
you know, when it comes to these sorts of things, it's like, oh man, we, we, you know, we got women's rights and their ability to vote and oh man, they have the opportunity to compete in sport. They have all these fucking awesome things that women have got for themselves. And now we've gotten to a point in society where like, we're, oh no, we're going to backtrack from that. We're going to let men compete in women's sports. Yeah. And and the argument is, Hey, I snipped my dick and balls off. I'm a woman. But your but your bone structure is still of that of a man, and it can hold more muscle. Yeah, and, people don't and, realize that. And even all the hormone therapy in the world, dude, is not going to stop those certain changes from happening. Man, you could dump whatever amount of fucking estrogen you want, even during childhood, and it's not going to fucking make it. And per- that's a whole other conversation. That that thing, I was just had this conversation on Twitter the other day, and a couple people. Uh, now I'm not familiar with J.K. Rowling and her and her political stances. I have no, I literally don't know what she says about what. I I have no idea. All I saw was one tweet, and she posted something which was basically like an it was like an article or a video of a psychiatrist or a psychologist who basically was kind of like whistleblowing on this whole thing and basically saying like, "Hey, there's a lot of people that go through this this gender therapy or whatever like." these hormone therapies to change their gender in youth that have a lot of regrets and like are not particularly happy with, with what happened and they're and they're kind of permanent changes. Like, you know, you take hormones during pre puberty and like, there's really not a whole lot like you can do about it later on in life. You know what I mean? Like if you realize that that was a mistake and that's not what you wanted to do, you can't fully recover from that. You know what I mean? That's kind of, it's a semi-permanent change. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was basically what what the article was. She didn't even say an opinion on it. Right? She just posted the article and somebody's like, oh, you're a bigoted piece of shit, whatever the case may be. And I was having arguments on Twitter with people and I'm just kind of like, I'm like, hey, I, I think we're I think that's that's taking things a little far. Like, I don't think a person who's concerned for the livelihood of children, it, I don't think that makes them a bigot. Like, like, listen, man, you guys might be in the right. Like, personally, I think you're wrong. Like, I don't think that people that believe that kids should be getting hormone therapy to change their gender in youth should they should be allowed to do that or that that should be somehow like a medical service or whatever the case may be that kids can engage in um i personally think they're wrong but let's say you have all the data in the world to back that up and you're right you know you're in the right and every science and many many scientists agree with you or whatever the case may be it's not inherently obvious that that's a good thing you know what i mean it's not an obvious thing to the layperson that that's a good idea. It doesn't make any like when you think about it just on the surface, you have to assume like, all right, wait a minute, these kids are in puberty. Puberty is kind of a life changing moment. Um, when you think about like basic science, like whatever hormones are in your body during that period of time determine like your voice, your bone structure, your 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 strength, like all of these different things. So these are permanent changes that are going to be happening ultimately, right? That doesn't seem like a good decision. That doesn't seem like a decision that a 12-year-old should be able to make. <laughs> yeah. right? right? Like when you think about it logically. Now, again, I could be wrong. Maybe some kids with gender dysmorphia or whatever the case may be, that in 99% of the cases or 95% of the cases, that's the best thing for them. And it's, it's so much better. It has so much better outcomes or whatever the case. I could be wrong. Now, that's fine. However, in me being wrong – I'm not being a bigot. It's not because I'm afraid of transgender people or upset with them or think that they shouldn't exist or whatever the case may be. It's none of these things. I'm simply concerned 
that that might not be a good idea and it might have negative repercussions for children. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with believing that. The idea that we have to demonize everyone that takes the opposing viewpoint to us is crazy. I don't demonize the people that think that that's a good idea. I just think that I don't think they have the right idea. I don't think they're right. I, that's that's all. Like, I don't think they're terrible people. I, I just think that I think they have a, a poor opinion. I did. I don't think it's good. You know. Yeah, and um, and and we're seeing a lot of we're 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 seeing a lot of there was studies on this where a lot of people that that made the change they ended up committing suicide and dealing with like depression and stuff because there is no coming back from that. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know all the data and statistics on it, but for sure it happens. There's no question of that. I don't think anybody can debate that. That definitely does happen. So I think it even even more kind of firmly uh, kind of cements the point that it's it's perfectly reasonable for a person to doubt these things and for a person to doubt these things. I don't think it makes him a bigot. I don't think it makes him a homophobe. I don't think it makes him a transphobe. I don't think it makes him any of these things. I think it makes them a fucking a human being who's concerned for other human beings and the outcomes of, of those. And not just specific human beings, but all, you know what I mean? Like these are, these are things that we're talking about trying to get passed through legislation that, you know, essentially are going to affect everybody in our country. And I think it's a very reasonable thing for us to be concerned about those. And I don't think that your concern for that or your opinion on that makes you a bigot. I think that's a little crazy. I think it's a little sensationalist to, to, to try to describe somebody who, who's concerned about these things as, as a bigot, you know, especially because of things like you just said, like clearly there are serious implications involved in these things. You know, let's take something very simple, which doesn't really have serious implications, right? How about tattoos, right? There's not serious implications, really. Like, you could even get those lasered off later on in life. Do we allow 12-year-olds to get tattoos? No. No, we don't. Now, maybe there's somewhere in the world that allows 12-year-olds to get tattoos. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's ways that 12-year-olds can do it. But overall, it's illegal. Like, it's not supposed to happen, right? And we have laws against it. We have protocol against it. We have all these things because it's a semi Sorry? It's legal with parental consent. Is it? Is it? Can you get a tattoo at age 12 with parental consent? I don't even know if you can do that. I don't know if a tattoo parlor can do that. Maybe you can do it. Maybe you could like self do it or something like that and say it's like part of a religious practice. You could probably get around the rule that way or something. But for the most, I don't think you could walk into a tattoo parlor at age 12 with parental consent like you could for like getting your ears pierced and fucking and get a tattoo maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm misinformed good fucking question man maybe i'm misinformed i should probably look that up um but to my knowledge you can't the point really is even if you could do that that it's clearly something that we clearly something we look at as with a high degree of gravity because we look at it as a semi-permanent thing like it's on your skin for you know essentially your whole life with the exception of lasering it off wherever the case may be now we're talking about permanent, phys- permanent physiological and psychological changes that occur with the use of hormones. I mean, I think there's a reasonable discussion to be had. Yeah. Whether or not that's a good idea. And then the other, the other flack that I was getting for it is, oh, well, let the scientists like figure that out. It's like, listen, man, I'm so tired of hearing people say shit like that. Like, the listen, scientists. 
dude, the yeah. same scientists that told us to stay home. Oh, for COVID, right? That was the point that I made too. And then they're like, oh, it's not the same thing. Blah blah blah. blah. It is the same thing. <laughs> but but man, like the idea that a, a human being can't have an opinion on something or couldn't have a reasonable, like logical opinion on something because they're not a PhD or because they didn't specialize in whatever topic it is that they're speaking about is the most absurd thing ever. You know, like, like you couldn't possibly be, you possibly could, you couldn't possibly have the right idea about something just because you, you're not a PhD student or you didn't, you didn't conduct 1200 studies about something or whatever the case. It's like, it's absurd. You know what I mean? Speaking of opinions on things, you made a post a while ago where you see a lot of people on Instagram, like that don't really know what the fuck they're doing. They're teaching technique videos. Sure. And these videos are getting a lot of views. What do you, yeah. what, is, uh, is that something we need to fucking stop? <laughs> I don't think you'll ever stop it. You know, social media is, social media has kind of taken off. I mean, let's be honest. It's out of control. And we're not, ta- I'm not even talking about like, I'm talking in a broad sense, social media, right? Like right now we're living in an era where there's a struggle for control of social media between the companies that run the media and the government, like nobody really knows. Everybody understands that this is an incredibly powerful so- resource, yeah. right? Um, and it, the funny part about that is like our parents probably would have told us that like Facebook or like fucking Instagram or Twitter was a fad and that like nobody would be using it, you know. Oh, I, fucking... got, I got so much flack for it in the back of the day. Like why are, you, why are you on social media so much? And now people are like, hey, man, can you show me how to make money on social media? I'm like, oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> Exactly. So, so clearly it's become a major part of our lives and we're in an era of, we're in an era right now where we're trying to figure out what's appropriate, what's not, who should have control, who shouldn't, you know, all these sorts of things. Right. So it's a little, to be honest, social media is out of control. And like in some, in some regards, I like it. Like personally for me, I prefer less control over more control. I prefer people to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. At the end of the day, if you want to post a fucking technique video, about that that you've never fucking tested in your life and it, you think it looks cool and you want to post on social media, I'm all for it. I don't have any – when I say I, – I, let me state this. I'm going to – this is a little nuanced, so I'm going to have to make several statements. Um, I don't have any problem with it in the sense that you should be able to do it. Of course you should be able to do it, just like every other fucking person can post whatever the fuck it is that they want to post on their social media. By all means, you should have every right to post it. Now, is it a good idea for you to do it for multiple reasons? In my opinion, no. You know, for multiple reasons. One, I think it look, makes you look silly. You know what I mean? To, to, I, th- I personally, like, I have a lot of pride in what I do. And, like, you know, I'm about to go teach uh, another instructional with BJJ Fanatics uh, after this weekend. I think I'm going to start on Monday. And, What's, you know, when what, I put what some, topic? Uh, it's it's uh, it's a new uh, concept that I'm toying around with. I don't have it fully fleshed out yet. Um, I have a lot of ideas, but I haven't fully put it all in, all together. I will in the next couple couple days. But uh, it's basically I want to reverse engineer uh, the way that no- most instructionals are taught. Most instructionals are taught around a specific topic, like half guard, full guard, whatever the case may be, and then you learn different principles of the sport associated with that specific subgroup of jujitsu guard passing or whatever the case may be, you learn principles, concepts, philosophies surrounding those things as you learn about that particular subject matter. And I want to 
to, I want to kind of flip it. I want to make it so that the philosophy, strategies, tactics, all of these sorts of things are the main part of the DVD. I want that to be what the DVD is centralized on and let the techniques just be an example of those. So the idea is to create a DVD based mainly on philosophy, strategies, concepts, tactics, etc., as opposed to saying, oh, I'm going to make a half guard DVD. You know, so that's my plan. We'll see uh, how it works out. You know, I always kind of start with a general idea and kind of work my way down more to the to the finer elements of it, of it or whatever the case may be. And that's exactly what I was talking about. Like, this is a process for me that I take great pride in. Every single time that I do one of these instructionals, the days that I'm there in Boston, I barely sleep. Not because it takes so long to teach the instructional or anything like that. But because typically after the first day of teaching, I say to myself, ah, man, I don't really don't like the way that that was organized. Oh, I really want to add this. I, I, and I'm, I'm struggling. I'm stressing myself out to the point where I'm missing patches of my own hair. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but I am missing patches of my own hair, but I, don't, I doubt it's because of that. That's from, I'm all, stressing the, myself that's out. from all the Sedenafil. <laughs> exactly. For those who don't know, Sedenafil is liquid Viagra. <laughs> so, so, so I'm stressing myself out so fucking hard to try to put something together the, in a way where I'm proud of it, not because it's going to make me more money. People are going to buy this fucking DVD regardless. At the end of the day, I can put a random collection of moves out, whatever I want to teach. I could even make bullshit up the same way that these bullshit artists are posting on Instagram. And I could put that out as a DVD, and I promise you people will buy it. Because I have a good brand, I have a good reputation, um, you know, I have a following, I, people like me. These people buy, are going to buy my DVD no matter what I put out for the most part, okay? There are very few people who are really going to appreciate the amount of effort and work I put into making it be something that I'd actually be proud of. And I do that for exactly that reason because I take pride in what I do. And I really don't think that a lot of these people that are posting these videos – do that. I don't think they take pride in what they do. I think they're posting a fucking thing for life. I think they're posting something just to get some likes. I think they're posting something just to get some attention or whatever the case is. Like, I am not interested in that. If I was interested in that, I would be done competing already. I would have won like one thing, just coasted on that, and they just made fucking cool videos for the rest of my fucking career, sold those, made a ton of money, and then been done. But no, dude, I take, bro, I take fucking pride in what I do every goddamn day. That's why I put my neck on the line. I'm going to be taking another jujitsu match coming up sometime soon. I can't give any details on it, but probably within the next month or two against one of the best guys in the world. I don't have to do that. I could just keep fucking fighting. I cemented myself as one of the best in the world in jujitsu already. But the point, the broader point that I'm making about these, you know, making these posts about these fucking random techniques that people are teaching is people don't take enough pride in what they do. Like, man, fuck, test whatever it is that you're fucking showing on the internet out a few times before you go and fucking post it everywhere. If you can't get it to work on a fucking tough purple belt, it's not worthy of you fucking posting on Instagram, dude, unless you're posting it as a joke. You know, I'll tell you, uh, verbal tap cast, uh, is a fucking hilarious, uh, podcast. And, uh, and, uh, Rafa Sparza, the guy that runs it is, is a fucking great guy. Great dude. They're doing a little WWE BJJ week or whatever. You know, people are recording videos of them doing like funny techniques or whatever. Dude, great. It's fucking hilarious. I love it. The point is to be ironic. The point is to be funny. 
awesome, right? But if you're trying to sell me genuine technique and it's bullshit, that's when it's like, ugh, it's so fucking cringeworthy, some of this shit, dude. When I posted that, I watched a girl. This is this is what it was. I'm not going to say who it is or anything like that because you know I'm not trying to attack anybody. I watched a girl do like a leg lock with like no ashigurami, no control over the leg. Yeah. Just, just like a random grip that like kind of twisted the guy's foot and the guy like taps and then she posts this on the internet. And I'm just like, you gotta be fucking kidding. I think it was like a, a relatively high level competitor too. Like, I don't even think it was like a blue belt. I think we're talking about like a brown belt. Competitor. Was she hot though? Eh, okay. She was all right. And I mean, here's the thing that people have to understand about jujitsu. All right. Jujitsu and certainly competitive jujitsu is filled with it's a fucking high testosterone environment whether that be whether, whether that be uh in testosterone that people are fucking injecting in themselves or people or that actually have high testosterone but either way uh <laughs> either way pretty like high you testosterone. And me, we don't need the exogenous stuff <laughs> our balls are already fucking massive exactly so so either way High testosterone environment, a lot of horny dudes, let's say, at the very least, okay, that are involved in this sport, okay? So, and, oh, and the other thing is very few women. Uh, and so we're, it's a male-dominated sport overall. So, man, when a, when a woman does this sport and she's even mediocre looking, she's getting a ton of attention, yeah. a ton of attention from fucking everybody just for being mediocre looking and doing this sport, not even being good at it, just being like a blue belt. Again, who could like show a random technique on Instagram? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, dude, it's it, not that I necessarily think that that's anything. I'm just saying how it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm the dude that fucking posts ass pics all the time on his fucking Instagram. I have no problem with it by all means. Fucking. Do your fucking barambolo and have the freeze frame be of, of your ass. I, I don't give a shit. Like I'm probably, I'm probably going to repost it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying the way that the community is. That is that is what you're dealing with. As far as the philosophies go, something that you told me, um, talked to me about, I think we should tell the listeners, is um, a lot of people, uh, everyone says just show up. Just show up to training. And... I see a lot of people that just show up to training for 10 years and they still suck dick. Um, <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not and, fucking and wrong. Something you told. Support for Rambling with Rack is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code RAKRAK at manscaped.com. And if my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Guys, Manscaped has truly changed my life. Y'all know Middle Eastern men. We got some serious dense forestry down there. I have tried everything. I've tried the over-the-counter buzzers. I have tried straight razors. I have tried regular razors. And nothing has made manscaping easier 
than Manscaped. All right, guys, so the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and oh man, is it a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to Hold Your Goodies. Guys, the ball deodorant, all right? Let's say you're on your last set of leg press at the gym, and your girl hits you up, says, what are you doing? You don't have time to take a shower. You just take a quick little um, whiff of that ball deodorant, wipe down there, and head over to her house. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer is a future of grooming, and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a waterproof and also has 400K LED spotlight you need for more precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. Guys, as an Iranian man, I could attest to you that when using a regular buzzer, uh, if you go to my bathroom floor, it literally looks like you just entered the Amazon rainforest. So having the trimmer right now has made my job so much easier. You thought that was good. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with code word RAK, R-A-K. Get 20% off free shipping with the code R-A-K at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code word R-A-K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hold me, and you actually criticized me about this, was you can't just always play your fucking A game. Yes. And, uh, and I want you to talk about the, how you develop your game. And one specific story that really inspired me was how John forced you to get good at guillotines yeah uh and you didn't want to you you said nah and he said all right i'm just not gonna teach you anymore and then he forced you to get good at <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um all right so the first point that you, i just want there was a lot of points to be made there so i want to address all of them the first one that you said is the just show up thing so okay you know who the advice is you, you know who that advice is for just show up the advice is that's the advice that's given for somebody who's going to quit, you know, because at the end of the day, like, yeah, zero, nothing is going to be achieved in a positive direction by you stopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're obviously not getting better. if You're going to fucking yeah. stop. Right. So the advice, like just show up is like to the person who's like, ah, oh, man, I'm so frustrated. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to put it down. I'm going to put it away. I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to, or, or even if they're not going to quit as a whole, oh, I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm going to take three weeks off, whatever the case may yeah. be. 
because all of those things are detrimental to your progression, right? Like certainly I might say, I might make the joke that like somebody, and it's not a joke. Some of it's somewhat serious. I might make the joke that somebody's good. That's been coming in for 10 years. Hasn't, hasn't gotten any better at jujitsu in the last five. Right. And that might even be true, but they're way better than they would have been if they stopped doing it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're way better than they would have been if they just decided to take off a month or two months or six months and then try to come back to it. And maybe that's part of the reason that they haven't gotten that better in that period of time, that that's, that's what they're doing. But, um, you know, so that's the first thing. That's what that advice is for. Like after you're able to give yourself the level of discipline that you do show up every day or you do show up as much as you can and you have that discipline because that's the first thing. If you don't have that discipline, fuck the rest of it because it's not going to matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're great at learning and fucking studying and doing all these things. If you can only show up fucking once a week or every time you fucking compete, you have to take two weeks off to fucking mentally settle yeah. down because you had such a fucking ex- crazy experience. Then yeah, like it's not going to matter. Like you're still going to suck because you can't even do the bare minimum, which is to show up. But once you get past that part, yeah, there's a lot of other fucking shit that you got to do to get better. You know, like, you can't imagine that just doing the exact same thing every single day is, is just going to make you somehow magically better five years from now. You might be a little bit better at the same things that but you've you been know, doing. But you know, that's the, that's the mentality a lot of people do have. Yes. Including yes, me for a while. 100%. And yeah. listen, to some degree, you'll get better. Like, will you probably get a little tougher? Will you probably get a little stronger? Will you probably – Yes, with the exception of obviously, depending on how long it is, if you get a lot older, that maybe that's not not the case. But will you get a little bit better at your favorite move or whatever? The sure. But yeah, it it certainly takes strategy and planning to actually make useful improvements and and not more than marginal improvements in your game over time, for sure. You know, when you first start training. This is where the, the, the misconception comes from because when you first start training, yeah, dude, it is good enough just to show up like, dude, for the first two to three years, you can do a lot by just showing up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause there's so much to learn. You just, you're starting from zero, you know, you're starting from zero. So there's so much to learn. But once, once you hit like the five year mark, the seven year mark, it's like, yeah, you're going to have to do a little bit more than just show up now. Like you're going to have to work on the shit that you suck at. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to refine the things that you're good at. You're going to have to seek out people that are even better at the thing that you're good at and see what they're doing and steal some of those ideas and then maybe improve upon those ideas. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot more to it. Um, But to speak to the last thing that you were saying, which is like, you know, a lot of people, because this kind of, this kind of ties it all together as well. A lot of people just working on their A game. That is a part of it, right? So they're showing up every day and they've been showing up every day. And for some degree, to some degree, they've been making a lot of improvements. And then somewhere along the lines, they start to plateau. Somewhere along the lines, they start to say like, ah, man, I really feel like I'm not getting that much better. Uh, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just like going through the motions here. It's doing the same things. It's similar results in training. I'm, I'm not getting any better uh, at dealing with the problems that each of the training partners that I have are presenting. It's like kind of have similar roles with everybody, or maybe they even feel even worse than that. Oh man, you know, X, Y, Z person is progressing a lot faster than I am. 
you know, I, I feel like I'm fucking, you know, sitting here now there may be some exogenous reasons for that, right? There may be some extra things that are happening. Maybe age just plays a role. Maybe, you know, maybe you have a full-time job and that person's literally training their fucking balls off three times a day. You know, there may be some extra reasons for that, but there are a lot of things that you do have control over no matter what your circumstances are. And your sense of direction and training is one of them. And if your sense of direction and training is always win, 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 the only moves you're ever going to do are the ones that you fucking know, like the back of your hand, the moves that you're so confident in that no matter what's happening, you would go to if, if fucking you got into a car wreck and then you climbed out of the car wreck and all of a sudden a guy was beating you, trying to beat you up to steal your wallet. Those would be the moves that you went to go do because it's the yeah. most high stress situation you could be in. You're still going to do those moves. If that's what, if you're trying to win every day, those are the moves you're doing. You can only get marginally better at those moves and the, and the approach to those moves because you're never going to take a risk outside of, the, outside of the box of those moves. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to win, doing something you're not familiar with or you're not comfortable with can lead to a loss. It can yeah. lead to your guard getting passed. It can lead to your back getting taken. It can lead to bad things in training. So that's going to make you say, oh, no, I'm not going to fucking try that move. Why would I do that? I'm going to get my fucking back taken. I'm going to get my guard passed. Like, I'm trying to win here, you know? Now, that doesn't mean you should never try to win. The people that the people that never try to win and just kind of, like, fucking float around in training and, like, never really try and, and like, really never have a go switch and never really – they don't have, like, a real competition or, like, an any type of game that they would use – um, to to defeat somebody who was attacking them or or somebody in competition, those people are almost just as bad as the people that come in and try to win every day. Yeah, those those people will probably lose you less students. Uh. <laughs> I'll tell you that they'll lose you less students because they're probably not hurting people. They're probably super nice guys, but they're doing themselves the same disservice that the person that uh, comes in and just tries to win every day is doing. You know? Well, can I can I ask you? currently what are your like uh just so just so they have a absolutely like absolutely mine right now since january my my goal has been my goal was mounted triangles uh i got okay at that now i'm doing reverse yeah. triangles from scarf hold and i'm doing really great at that so yeah that that made me go oh wait i suck dick at triangles but there's just a free arm when i do it so now i'm doing kimuras and americanas from the reverse yeah. triangle and it's opening so many new doors yeah. So, so you see what you just described there is organic learning to some degree. You yeah. started out with, you started out with a, with a goal. And then while per, in pursuit of that goal, you said, Oh wait, there's that. Oh wait, there's that. Oh wait, there's that. And it allowed you to go in different directions. Yeah. Right. So that initial goal got you started. It got you moving, right? Because, you know, you know what uh, I think makes me not work out sometimes, or has led to me not working out sometimes. I'm not even talking about jujitsu. Mm -hmm. Talk about lifting, right? I I studied a lot uh, about lifting. I, I did exercise science in school, and it makes me overthink the process sometimes. So sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, well this hurts, so I'm not going to do that, and uh, this, and well I did this yesterday, and like whatever the case. And it's like, man, if you can't fucking pick something to start with, you ain't going to do it. Yeah. So if you, never, if you never have a vision of something to move forward with, 
fuck, man, you're just going to be talking to yourself all day. So yeah, pick something. So you picked fucking triangles or whatever it was. And then you, then you found other problems as you were working with that. And that's a great way to look at it because I think that's kind of what I do. And I'll, I'll talk to you about a few organic moments that I have. So I may start out with that initial vision. Um, I'm trying to think what my initial vision was. Uh, I don't know what my initial vision was exactly when I came back from my fight. Um, the, uh, probably the initial vision was to like work on variations of Ashigarami, putting people down, putting them down to a knee, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then here's where I get my inspiration for change from, or my inspiration to follow other topics. Sometimes it's my coach. Sometimes it's John, you know, sometimes John shows an interesting enough technique where I go, you know what, let's explore that further, or let's take that technique that he showed and let's do it a little differently or apply it in this situation. And what can we do with it there? So that's one way to be to, for organic learning. You take a you, you first of all, you could just take what the person's teaching you. Okay. But then go further than that. Okay. Take what the person's teaching you and try to put it somewhere else. So if they're teaching it from guard, try to do it from mount. If they're trying, if they're teaching it from mount, you try to do it from side control, right? See as many different ways as you could apply, not just, and this is kind of what the DVD I'm about to teach is about. See how many different ways you could apply, not just the technique that they're teaching, but the philosophies, concepts, tactics, strategies uh, that are involved with that technique, right? And when you, when you can take those and apply it elsewhere, not only does it help you improve, but it also helps your understanding of the sport. You know, at the end of the day, our memory has a lot to do with connection, right? It has to do with taking one thing and connecting it to another thing. The reason that's, that's the reason we remember things, you know, have you ever been fucking talking to somebody and they mention something and you're like, Oh shit, I fucking remember that thing that I have to do yeah. today. Why? Because it's, it's a connection that you made between those words that they said and the thing that you have to do that day, you yeah. know, and that's how our memory fucking functions. So the more connections you can develop between the more, the more things become like a web and less like a linear path one, two, three, four, five, the more they become a web of this thing's connected to this thing. And I can do this here, here, there, and there, the more you have a a more broad understanding of the sport and the more recall you're going to have over time. And the more you're going to be able to, to apply things organically, not just in your training, but also in competition on the fly impulsively, because all of a sudden you can, you develop associations between techniques, concepts, and principles that you didn't develop before. Before you just looked at it as 85 techniques. You didn't look at it as uh, uh, several connected techniques, uh, you know, that are kind of webbed together. You know what I mean? So I think that that plays a role. And I think that that leads to a lot more of, uh, of a progression. So that's one thing that I do. Another thing that I do is just sometimes – I just play around with with things that I already know in training. I I do something a little different than I had before. And I notice like, oh, shit, that was successful. Or, oh, shit, like that was terrible. (laughs) And the more I go, oh, shit, that was successful. I go, hey, man, maybe we could do more with that. Where could I apply that? So it might not be something somebody taught me. It might just be a position that I ended up in where I did something a little differently. Man, recognize your successes and recognize your failures. Can you give us some like real life examples of moves that you've done that with? Yeah, I'm doing it right now. That's the reason I'm talking to you. So there's this grip that I've been. So normally when I enter into cross Ashigurami, I enter with, a, with an Achilles lock for the most part. Um, recently, 
I've been switching to a grip where I'm grabbing my own hamstring and then I'm rolling through and using my free hand to pommel their hand and their leg and then enter into my entrances. And prior to this, I've only really ever used that grip to kind of knock people down and actually rock. Mm-hmm. I've never used it from cross ashigurami to, to control and enter the legs. And what I'm finding is, is that the tricep wedges against the calf so well mm-hmm. that when I go to roll through to enter into their legs, they're having a lot of trouble kick, kicking out. And they're, I'm, I'm having a lot easier time maintaining the knee line compared to when I just hold the Achilles grip where I'm so far down the leg that they have an easier time kicking out and that I'm losing, even if I maintain the leg, I'm losing the knee line in the process. So I get my heel hook, but they just kick straight out. So that was one of those things where like, hey, man, I just put my hand in a particular position. I've grabbed my hamstring like that before. But for whatever reason, I, I kind of started experiment, experimenting in, um, you know, cross ashigurami like that. And some of that stuff is going to take some time for some people. You know, that's some stuff that's probably going to happen a little bit later in your journey. That's not going to be year two in your jujitsu. You know, year two in your jujitsu, you're probably working mostly on the things that were taught to you with a little bit of innovation here and there. But, you know, after year five, you better be starting to do stuff like that or you're just copying everybody around you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to start coming up with some of your own ideas and and your own nuance and your own uh, improvements. Yeah. It's like a a lot of people I noticed, um, like you said, they'll just copy moves and do those moves. I noticed something very unique about our team is that we fucking invent shit all the time. Sure. Sure, man. Do you believe that you could teach someone how to invent or is that just something you're born with? I definitely think, okay, so let's take most, so let's talk about attributes, okay, in in general, okay, so let's say something like strength, for example, Mm -hmm. okay, certainly an attribute, Uh, certainly something that some people have more of than others, inherently, right, so you could have a certain degree of talent, I guess you could argue, for strength, Okay. You were just born that way. You have more type one muscle fibers or whatever the case may be, or maybe more type two if you were an endurance runner, whatever the case may be. Right. And when you see that play out in like track and field, there's a lot less you can do with it. Right. Because at the end of the day, like there's so many people doing that sport and there's only so many of those muscle fibers that you have. And, and it's being done at such a precise elite level that if you didn't have the appropriate number of fucking muscle fibers, you may not be able to succeed at that sport. Yeah. Right. But it's a little different when it comes to jujitsu because there's a lot of other ways that you can compensate other than just having the appropriate number of, of muscle fibers. You know what I mean? Um, but like going back to creativity and innovation, I believe in, in some sense that that's also an attribute. And do I think there's a certain degree of that that you're born with in terms of the way that your brain works? Yes. Do I think there's a certain degree of that which is socialized into you to some degree by your peers and the people around you and the people you look up to? Yes. Do I think that that could be furthered even into adulthood? Yes. Do I think it's going to, do I think that the way that it's going to be furthered into adulthood is going to be nearly as impactful as the way that it's furthered in children? No. Just the same way that we were kind of touching on the whole puberty conversation and all that that sort of thing 
earlier, the same way that those significant changes happen kind of like in that early, you know, childhood, you know, range. I think that there is, there's, there's a much bigger margin for improvement the younger you are. You know, you're, you're like clay that can be molded. And as you get older, it's harder to make, to mold that clay. It's getting harder and harder and more set in stone. I mean, just an example of like, so like I've, I've been to other gyms where the professor will teach a move and then uh, there will be someone that either does it differently or asks a question, can it be done this way? And they're like, no, just do it the way I showed you. (laughs) But the way we do our practices, it's like, John will teach something and you'll be like, Hey John, what if we did it this way? Yeah. And he'll be like, well, teach the class that and let's find <laughs> out. And like, oh shit. This works. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. do that with my students too. If they're like, Hey, can we do it this way? I'm like, I don't know. Give it a shot. And then if it works, that's what we're fucking doing from that one. Yeah. Typically when I bring something to John, it's because I've tested it numerous times on resisting opponents. So going back oh. to that posting random moves, on Instagram conversation. Um, and also like, I probably have a better sense for what works, for example, than like a brand new white belt. So is there a time and place as an instructor? So here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to give this, this interview or this, this podcast right now and be like, if your instructor tells you just do it the way that I say, he's a dickhead. I don't believe that because there's been tons of times that I've done that to students and there's a time and place for that. If you're a brand new white belt or even like an early blue belt and I'm in the middle of fucking teaching a move or whatever the case may be. There are times where it makes sense, dependent upon the way that you're doing a thing for me to be like, listen, just fucking do it the way that I told you stop with all your bullshit. Like you don't even know, you don't know your ass from your elbow. Okay. You can't start inventing moves right now. Right. Uh There's a time and a place for that. Right. But moving forward, I think that there's more of a, there's more room. Like once we start approaching like purple belt, you know, or, you know, for, for lack of belts, I don't know how many years we're talking four or five years, things like that. Now we're starting to enter the range of conversation where you probably have enough understanding it, hopefully of what's going on, where I believe that you can make reasonable suggestions you know, to movements and improvisations and all of these things that might make sense. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and then from moving from that, yes, I would, I would say for sure. I might listen to like what a student might have to say. It really comes down to how much I respect you. (laughs) But honestly though, that's true. Like how much do I respect you and your jujitsu? If I respect you and your jujitsu a lot, I might listen to what you have to say. And this honestly you know, people might think of what I'm saying right now as me being a dick, but this is the appropriate way to handle life. Like, hey, do you listen to every random dickhead that tells you something? No. You listen to the fucking people you respect and you think know what the fuck they're doing, right? So if, if I respect the person, then yeah, I listen to what they have to say you know, as an instructor and I go, oh, yeah, maybe we could try that out or whatever the case may be. Now – I depending upon the situation, I, even if it was a random blue belt, I might take a look at what they're talking about and give it a shot. I usually do my best. I'm a big why guy. Like as a kid, I was a why guy as an adult. I'm a why guy. I love fucking asking, well, why do we do this? Well, why do we do this? So when somebody else does it to me, 
sometimes to save time, I might be like, just fucking do it. But uh-huh. most of the, most of the time, even if I, even if what that person suggests, I think is total bullshit, I'm going to give them an explanation why I think it's total bullshit. And I'll tell them, I'll say, Hey, keep giving it a shot in fucking live training. If you can keep hitting it on tough guys, bring it back to me and we'll keep working on it. I'll look at it myself a little bit. I'll feel out the position, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, and I think that I, I like to do that as much as I can, as much as time allows. Um, I've always liked that. Even when kids, you know, somehow, you know how sometimes like kids will come up to you and like they ask like a question or whatever, and they just keep asking why even long after it makes sense. Yeah. I love because that game. Parents didn't beat them at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true, but I love that game and I'll play that with children all day. Cause oh. I just, it just helps me become creative. Like I don't give a fuck. I'll just keep coming up with reasons why to do something, man. I'll keep, I'll keep going all day. I'll wait until that motherfucker is tired. I don't give a shit <laughs> to me. I'm outlasting that little fucking four year old that keeps asking why. I'll hey, keep fucking Gary, going. Why does get... my, why does my uh, dad sniff candy up? There? <laughs> 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 oh, dude. That that brings me to the uh, it was it wasn't a kid that asked this it was like a college student but did I ever tell you about the greatest question I was ever asked as an instructor no so one day I'm teaching the Rutgers kids and uh, it's just like a bunch of fucking steroided up fucking lunatics just smashing their heads against the wall in a padded room at Rutgers like it's just total chaos and uh, uh, one of the kids turns to me as I'm sitting against the wall like. You know, after I just finished class, I'm like, hey, guys, you know, like any questions you have, like it, it was like one of my one of my like it was one of the first sessions of the year. Right. So I'm trying to be like super enthusiastic and energetic. And I'm like, yeah, any questions you have, I'll be happy to answer. I'll be sitting right here against the wall while you guys are rolling, you know, more than happy to help you guys, whatever the case may be. So I give this like long speech about like you can come to me for, for help. So like uh, 30 seconds later, a kid comes up to me. And he goes, hey, Gary, I, you know, can you help me with something? And I go, yeah, sure, man. I'm like excited. You know, I'm thinking like I'm going to help him with a technique, fucking something like that. And he goes, I just have a quick question. He goes, do you think the bang bus is real? <laughs> Dude, and he said it with such a straight face. And he was so calm like throughout it that I was just – I just – I was so taken aback. And I was just like, you know what, buddy? I was like – I want to believe it's real. So let's say it's real. <laughs> Dude, I honestly think some of the episodes are real. I mean, I hope they are, man. Fake taxi. I hope it all. I hope it's all real. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think mo- all, let's, just, let's just say all porn is real. Just- <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Uh, my, personal, my personal favorite is fake hostile. That's a good one. I've never one. seen that. Yeah, yeah, solid one. Sol- solid channel for sure. Fake hostel. Yeah, definitely look it up. My favorite is the one where, where the guy's a security guard and he catches the girl stealing. <laughs> Dude, I've seen some of those. I used to like those a lot. I haven't watched any of them in a long time. Yeah, those are hilarious. Those are good. Those are good for sure. If, if it doesn't have a good plot, man, it's hard for me to get into it. Dude, I agree. Like people shit on plots for porn, but like dude, dude, I need it. I need it. Dude, plot. it's so it's so important. So important. That's fucking And it could be like the cheesiest bullshit too, and it doesn't matter. Like it I just it, there just needs to be a plot. There was this one where it was a it was 
I'm probably gonna get so much flack. It was Muslim, <laughs> Muslim, Muslim women, right? And it's uh-huh. a porno. And then her hijab is about to fall off. I'm like, no, no, no! Oh my God, put it back on! But they're all fully <laughs> naked. I'm fucking dead. It's like, bro, people get so fucking creative, man. Love it, dude. Man, we just hit one hour, bro. Fuck yeah, we did, dude. Dude, This is another podcast. This is another. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but this is another podcast where, like, within the podcast, there's some real, like, intelligent jujitsu content. But the the first like fifteen minutes is just pure debauchery. Dude, that's what people <laughs> loved about the last one. Like, like, like a hundred percent, not- people are gonna tune in and just be like, "Yeah, they're talking about circumcision for fucking five minutes." I think I'm gonna tune out. <laughs> Dude, people loved the last episode. They're like, "A jujitsu podcast. This is all serious, or it's all Eddie Bravo talking about conspiracy theories." You need a nice yeah. mix, and I feel like that we had a nice mix last time. Dude, I think we fucking kill it with the mix personally, but hey, you know. What are your thoughts on maybe making this a real thing and we'll split the profits 99-1? <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate the idea, man. My my old podcast buddies just hit me up to do an episode on Sunday, uh, the Flesh Rooting Podcast, but uh-huh. uh, but we haven't put one out in like fucking over a month, dude. So it's been Why? fucking dead. I have no idea, dude. <laughs> it's just been, you know, first um, – fuck um, – <clears throat> Uh, what was I going to say? We were both fighting. So, I mean, I think we just got busy. So, but anyway, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely down to do it more often. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you coming on again, man. It means a lot to me. Yes, sir. Love you, buddy. Love you guys out there. Hope you, hope you enjoyed this chaos. <laughs> I love you, bro. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. What's up, guys? Hope you enjoyed that episode. Hope you learned a lot from it. If you want me to have any other awesome guests, shoot me a DM, shoot me a text, shoot me an email. But before you do that, make sure to rate the podcast five stars. Make sure to share it on your Instagram story. My Instagram is at K-O-O-L-R-A-K, at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu, and at Rambling with Rack. You could go to my website, immortalsjujitsu.com for your free trial class. If you want to support the podcast with a hoodie or a t-shirt, shoot me a DM and I'll send one your way right away. Hope you guys have an amazing day. Make sure to share the episode. See you guys next time.